Hi everyone, welcome to Chinese Whispers. This is where we demystify the People's Republic of China. We are Amal and Jotsna. We are foreign policy enthusiasts interested in understanding China. Today we'll be discussing China's information warfare on the coronavirus disease. So everyone is quite upset because uh, this is a virus which, which originated in China and which was allowed to spread because the CCP didn't react in time and in fact started covering this up. So China decided to change the history of how it originated and spread to the world and in fact also tried to manufacture a positive role of China uh, when it comes to this whole virus story. So we'll be discussing the different narrative strands which are at play here and which have been, which have been promoted by China through disinformation warfare. So the first one would be of China trying to portray itself as a victim then one as the savior China, then one as the awesome superpower China, and then the don't mess with me China. After this, we'll discuss why China does this and how China does this. Awesome. So let's get into why a regime, first of all, does any sort of propaganda, which we also call information warfare these days. But uh, why does a regime, first of all, does propaganda and why do authoritarian regimes do propaganda? Like the authoritarian regimes, like even the Soviet Union or China these days, even Pakistan, they do a lot of propaganda, as we probably know from DGISPR in Pakistan or anywhere else. So there are two things. One is their own regime survival, because they know that they would not like to be replaced. If, if they are replaced, well, they might just be replaced forever. So they want to control the other people's mindset so that they don't rebel against them. And the other thing is, it's always about gaining more power. It's about controlling the other people's minds. So you gain more power even for the uh, amongst the people who do not directly report to you. For example, CCP wants to control our minds so that they can extract benefits from us and express their power over us. In fact, this was very visible in the Soviet Union when the Chernobyl accident happened in 1986. If you have seen that show, I think on HBO yeah. or Netflix, I can't remember, but in that, Mikhail Gorbachev has said that uh, our power is based on our perception, which is very true. Yeah. In, in fact, a lot of people within China have been comparing the Chernobyl accident with um, the coronavirus. And I am not sure whether China has banned the word Chernobyl um, as of now <laughs> on, on their internet. Uh, yeah. So moving on to the different ways China is trying to change the coronavirus story. The first, of course, would be how China is deflecting responsibility altogether um, for the origin of, of the virus. They're saying that there is a need to conduct a more scientific um, research on who the patient zero was, when, of course, we know that it originated from Wuhan. But they're also trying to call other people out for pointing out that this is a virus that originated in China. Of course, we discussed in the last episode that our favorite Twitter diplomat of China, this is a country that does not allow its citizens to be on Twitter, in fact, has banned Twitter altogether in China. So, But it has all these very angry diplomats out on Twitter to um, spread these conspiracy theories and their propaganda. So Xiao Lijian, who was earlier posted in Islamabad, of course, well-trained, Either I don't know whether this comes from China or from his friends in Rawalpindi, but uh, he said after the world obviously was very angry at China, this was early March, 
that this is not a virus that originated in China because maybe, you know, as this Twitter anonymous person, Lizard King, is saying, a lot of Americans were falling sick around de December. So maybe this was a virus which originated in America and was brought to China by the U.S. Army. We should all just have open minds and not blame China because this virus, as we know now, originated in China. Even if it did not originate in China, it was allowed to spread by the CCP. Not just America, they've also blamed Italians for this. This comes from an interview that an Italian scientist by the name of Ramuzzi said that there was, there was a strange pneumonia which was going around um, in Italy, northern Italy, in November and December. So the diplomat, the Chinese diplomats and the Chinese state media organizations picked up on that and said that this is evidence that this could have started in Italy. When in reality, what the scientist was trying to say was that this could have come from China earlier than we might think it came from China. And in fact, they're not even leaving the Africans alone. Now you're seeing in China that Africans who were living in, um, especially in Guangzhou, have been thrown out of their hotels and houses and are being turned away from restaurants. They've been rendered homeless, really, because China now says that, of course, because we do not have any more coronavirus in our country, all the coronavirus is coming from these filthy foreigners. Uh, so this could be an African virus. Speaking of um, China being racist, China is calling everyone else racist when you call the CCP virus the China virus. In fact, China also implied that the travel bans which countries were imposing around uh, late Jan, early Feb were racist because coronavirus at that time could not spread from humans to humans and China was taking care of it. And of now course. with the whole WHO story on this and Taiwan's membership not only being denied, but uh, in fact just being shunned completely and the WHO following a very CCP-mandated line of the One China policy in their global health response, which says that Taiwan is a province of China. So Dr. Tedros has responded saying that the Taiwanese are attacking me because they are racist and I am black. So that is pretty rich coming from a guy who's been probably bought off by the Chinese, who's throwing Africans out of their homes because apparently now this is an African virus. <laughs> of course. Yep. Anybody like it's rather reminiscent of the of the nineteenth century when when the British came knocking on China, the Qing Dynasty pushed out. Oh, these are some barbarians who've just come over. Mm. Not <laughs> has happened in history in the past, I guess. So uh, let's move on to the savior China thing, where China is trying to portray itself as the savior of the world by protecting the lives of the citizens of other countries and trying to build up some sort of soft power, I guess. For example, they're trying to quote-unquote gift PPE, PPE as in personal protective equipment, while actually selling them. And they're doing that with a lot of fanfare, where lots of Chinese diplomats are getting photographs clicked aggressively with lots of media coverage, aggressively again, mm. true to show off that they are doing so much for other countries. While the reality is they're actually selling them at overcharged prices. Secondly, they're also selling testing equipment. What the, the, I mean, the funny thing in that is that most of those testing equipment is turning out to be faulty. For example, in one specific case in, I think, the Netherlands or or, it, or Italy, 80% of all the readings turned out to be false. 
So there came out a large number, list of countries who are just returning those testing kits back to China. And that includes Spain, Italy, the Netherlands, even Nepal. <laughs> even Nepal is returning the testing kits back that, yeah, we don't need them. Sorry, yeah. those are just too useless for us. And on the other hand, there are those great famous, I mean, I think they're famous, the underwear masks. That is, the mask that China sold to Pakistan turned out to be just, well, underwear with some strings attached so that you can attach them to your ears. And uh, you can guess the reaction in Pakistan. So, of course, countries are not very happy getting faulty equipment, but and they are uh, expressing that to China. And media has caught up on these reports of faulty equipment. So what does China do in reaction? It says that it's not the equipment, it's you. You don't know how to use it. <laughs> this actually came from um, China's top uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs spokesperson, Ms. Hua Chunyang, who said that uh, with regards to faulty masks being sold to the Netherlands, that the Dutch just didn't know how to use these masks properly and they didn't read the manual. The Chinese manufacturer stated clearly that they are non-surgical and the exported customs clearing procedures were also under the name of non-surgical masks, so the Netherlands just didn't know how to use it. But then again, it's not just the Netherlands. Like you said, Amal, it's also Nepal, it's Ukraine, it's Spain, it's Turkey, it's the UK, and it's not just masks, it's also testing kits and other equipment. So it's not, a, and it's a, maybe no one read the manual correctly. Only China knows how to read manuals correctly. And maybe the Pakistani anchor who was screaming on top of her voice about um, these underwear masks and China ne chuna laga diya, which means that China befooled all of us. Uh, maybe she just didn't know how to be thankful to Iron Brother China for underwear masks. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike some of her countrymen who yes. are very thankful. Very. <laughs> So um, another interesting um, story which has developed here is that of Huawei. Huawei, China says, is a private company, but China utilizes its large diplomatic uh, muscle to promote Huawei and weaponizes and punishes countries which do not um, welcome Huawei in their 5G architecture. So a U.S. representative to a Fox TV um, anchor hinted that Huawei could be selling masks to, not selling, donating masks to France and Canada in return, in, in hope of return of favor that Canada and France allow the organization, the company, to build the 5G architecture in France and Canada. But both these countries have denied that. But then you're also seeing Huawei target countries which it was earlier planning to launch it. For example, Lithuania. For us in India, an RSS-affiliated organization, which is called the Fideshi Jakarta Lunch, which before the coronavirus outbreak itself was quite hawkish on Huawei and on China, also asked the Indian government to dump Huawei from our, our 5G trials, saying that you cannot allow China to profit out of this crisis. Wow, they managed to make sense for once. Yeah. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Good going, Swadeshi Jagran Manch. Yeah. <laughs> Happy with you. I think so that's, that's one why. organization mm -hmm. we need to watch. Yeah, I mean, probably, like, I can't believe I'm saying that this, but yes, I agree <laughs> that yeah. we should watch what they say now. So that's why uh, we see that China is asking, is pretty much asking other countries to sell its soul. 
because by installing Huawei 5G, you're basically giving out all your information forever to China. And that's typically not what gentlemen or gentle people or whatever, like regular human beings do. They ask you for the fair price of whatever they're selling. For example, Taiwan is selling masks to the world. It's also donating. Plus, I think it's offering for sale based on a fair price that, hey, we have a surplus. You might need it. So let's make a deal. Similarly, India also has 70% of the world's uh, manufacturing capacity of hydroxychloroquine, the drug which is touted to be the, the most useful against, mm-hmm. to, I mean, to treat the coronavirus. Yeah. And we are not asking anybody else to sell the soul. We're just asking for a fair price. Okay, so the US might uh, just offer us uh, early access to vaccines or some other benefit. Yeah. But that's a regular fair deal that we typically yeah. do. We are not asking anybody to sell our, sell their soul to us. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, everyone, including India, we've our strategy to donate equipment to other countries and also f- for other companies, for them to uh, donate or to sell equipment to other countries is, of course, done with the anticipation that they'll get something in return, be it vaccines or be it just goodwill. Um, but China, in fact, tried manufacturing the um, global shortage of equipment by asking Chinese companies um, abroad early in February to start hoarding masks and other things and selling them and sending them back to China so that when the time is right and when other countries are dealing with coronavirus, China could sell these equipment back to these countries. That is something that only China could pull off. That's true. A complete disregard for human life done by China. Who knew? But anyway, (laughs) thank you for listening to Chinese Whispers. This is part one of our episode. More on China's information warfare in the next part of this episode. Welcome back to Chinese Whispers. In this episode on China's coronavirus information war, we discussed how China has been victimizing itself, deflecting responsibility on the spread of the disease. It's been blaming everyone from Americans and Italians to Africans. And it has been projecting itself as the savior we've all been waiting for. But in addition to portraying itself as the meek victim good guy here, China is also trying to project itself as the knight in charming armor, the superpower glorious in waiting. One you cannot mess with. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So let's get to the awesome superpower in waiting. We have one specific instance which has been of rather peculiar interest to us. That is the construction of the Ho Shan Shan hospital in Wuhan. That's the thousand bed hospital they constructed in less than two weeks. Oh my God. The entire uh, news media was going gaga over the number of cranes operating and how China plans to build out such a big hospital in two weeks for that many things and trying to project that it was awesome that the state capacity was amazing and that they could get things done. In fact, there are lots of even Indian Twitter accounts, Twitter celebrities who said that, oh, this, like, how can we have mm-hmm. such efficiency ever, given how China is so efficient? Like, we cannot compete at all. Now, the reality is a little bit different, as you might expect. Now, first of all, for China, because China is also known as the tofu building capital in, of the world. Tofu is a very soft material, in case you did not know, that the buildings are, like, they joke around that the buildings are made of tofu, that they fall immediately when they build it. So, for example, in the 2008 Sichuan earthquake, it was a very big issue that the number of dead 
like something like 70 to 80,000 people had died and the number of dead could have been avoided if they had not made uh, those buildings using bad equipment and using bad materials that's kind of the thing they do so let's take that state capacity thing with a huge let's say tofu <laughs> tofu box full of salt on the other hand this has actually triggered the 100 bed hospital in a week race between countries for example, the UK itself built a huge, I think, 100 or 500 bed hospital in a week or so. Yeah, in London. Reliance in India. Yeah, sorry? In London, yes. Yeah. And Reliance in India converted 100 beds of one of its own hospitals almost overnight into a COVID-19 special speciality hospital. Uh, and our own Indian railways, the great uh, behemoth which we often do not like for its <laughs> tendency to get late, <laughs> But they are converting, they are actually creating 3,000 isolation wards per day. Now, these are not hospitals, but just look at the scale. that These yeah. are 3,000 wards per day, not even per week or per month. And they have the capacity to go all the way into about four times the number mm -hmm. per day. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why the scale is something which is, which is something we have seen at other places. Mm -hmm. But the fact that China beats its drum a little too much in this case... Yeah. That's one thing which is it is trying to do. Now, secondly, it's about uh, portraying that how well it has handled this particular crisis. For example, the official Chinese number for the number of infected people is something around 80,000. And it tries to portray that, hey, look, US has about half a million cases. We have only 80,000. Hence, we are much better and we are much stronger and, you know, the rest. So as New York City is digging trenches to bury the dead, China says with a big quote-unquote, that life is back to normal. Mm -hmm. While this might be what appears, the reality is definitely not that. For example, a bunch of reports, and there have been many sources which say that China has actually 15 to 40 times the number of cases and the number of dead people. That makes it about at yeah. least a million and a half or something. Yeah, That's anyway much more than the US. And that's something which PSCCP is aggressively trying to hide. Because they don't want to give out a perception that, hey, we are actually vulnerable and we have been hit so hard, etc. Yeah, so I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to say that, look, the superpower we're all familiar with is on its knees, while the superpower in waiting has handled this very well. So I guess it's time that we, um, we thrown someone else. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing how they use so many dead people to yeah. climb over the ladder of power and then lie about it completely. And their own dead people. That too. Yeah. yeah, their own dead people. <laughs> well, let's face it, China has done this over and over, using its own dead people, be it in wars, be it in famines, be it anything. Mm. <laughs> That's how cultural evolution was started in the first place, yeah. over the dead people from the Great Leap Forward. So uh, another part is the Global Times India obsession. And just FYI, Global Times is, China, is one of China's propaganda news outlets. And they show that, oh, hey, look at those... Uh, poor laborers out in the streets in India. The lockdowns are good because, you know, China lockdown Wuhan is a good first step India. But India does not know how to impose a lockdown. And also, what is this police brutality? I thought you were a democracy. <laughs> and that's why they try to portray that, oh, this poor little shitty country called India needs rich China's help and aid. That's why they're, they're trying to be the big yeah. brother and also try to utilize and manipulate us as much as they can. Mm, yeah, It's just amazing. Police brutality with lattes is bad, but uh, police surveillance with drones is good. That's the global Yeah, and welding people, in, 
Yeah. Yeah, and welding people inside their apartments so that they can die inside is amazing oh, for yeah. them. Look what yeah. the democracy gets you. <laughs> <laughs> so just continuing with this uh, whole uh, narrative about this the superpower China, which is managing itself very well when this the other when the others are uh, dying and facing disasters of unimaginable proportions. China is also trying to portray itself as a global leader, however uh, clever that sounds, but it is also quite shameless that China is trying to refashion its um, signature foreign policy project, the Belt and Road Initiative, um, which is often called the Maritime Silk Road, into the Health Silk Road. So this is something which happened um, after China initiated what we earlier described as the mask diplomacy, where China has been sending equipment abroad to countries which were hit badly with coronavirus. So China used that opportunity to, to tout this idea about a health silk road with, with China at the helm of managing global health initiatives. So this happened when, when a, a shipment of um, Chinese medical equipment was being sent to Milan with China Eastern Airlines and uh, she spoke to the Italian Prime Minister and he proposed that, oh yeah, there's, this is a, a whole plan under the Hell Silk Road of um, the People's Republic of China, which is building a glorious future for all of mankind. So, so yeah, you're welcome. You know, by this time, like I think they'll be creating Silk Roads over everything in the coming days. Yeah, but I, like, anyone oh. who's thinking of buying into this, let's not forget this is the country that does organ harvesting. Yeah, <laughs> and they have the audacity to launch a health Silk Road. Yes. I mean, but again, like, what is this Silk Road drama? Next thing you know, they'll have a sanitation Silk Road. Or I don't know, sewage disposal Silk Road for all the number of Silk Roads they have. It's just, they should probably get some new names for all for all I understand. Indian scholars have proposed that we should start a Spice Road or something of that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get over that. I mean, it's just going beyond. I mean, we can also say, okay, shared masala and whatever. Yeah, this is how you name restaurants, not foreign policy projects. <laughs> <laughs> shared Shared recipes, <laughs> Sorry, this is getting funny, but okay, yeah. so uh, now we have a much more uh, arrogant version of China, let's call it the don't mess with me China. This is visible on with, with regards to its behavior about with, uh, towards Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Uh, given all the anger against China in the world because of this virus, which we would love to call CCP virus. And the fact that Taiwan has been a responsible state in this case, has taken quick action and has been largely successful in handling this virus. People are actually concerned about like the different people across the world are saying that let's get Taiwan on board in world matters and let's get it get let's get that membership of WHO, etc. Now, in this case, China's don't mess me with me version comes out. For example, Councillor Jirong, the spokesperson of uh, the Chinese embassy in India said that uh, this all this conversation violates the one China principle and it sends wrong signals to the Indian people and the Chinese embassy in India hereby expresses its strong dissatisfaction and resolute opposition and also interestingly one lie that they laid out that there's not there's but one China in the world 
and the government of the People's Republic of China is the sole legitimate government representing the whole of China. This is a lie. And <laughs> because that's something, this is the exact opposite of what they had themselves signed in 1992. Hmm. But a different episode for that. And uh, they also claim that, okay, Taiwan is just a province of China, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they gave out a very don't mess with me part in this case. Hmm. And in fact, this went to such an extent that they actually scrambled warships on Saturday hmm. night to move around uh, Taiwan. Yeah. In fact, one carrier strike group yeah, was spotted by Japan, headed towards the Western Pacific. That fleet, led by China's first aircraft carrier, the Liaoning, was seen passing through the Miyako Strait near Okinawa and then turning south. So there are some concerns, obviously, as you might expect in Taiwan, that, mm -hmm. P that PRC is up to something, which we don't know yet. Yeah, Therefore, Taiwan we, had to... Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry? Because we're all focused on the CCP virus. So China, of course, uses the right opportunity to uh, launch its... Um, gray zone tactics in in um, the maritime space yeah yeah exactly that's why so let's get to why what is china really up to like what sort of perception management and crisis management is it doing like why would a country do this in the first place and the answer as you might expect is obviously power that china wants to grab more power in the world uh let me rephrase that ccp wants to grab more power in the rest of the world and that's why it's doing that there's also a factor that internally it sees a lot of anger. So therefore, they're trying to project a greater image of China strong, China good, the world bad, <laughs> the world racist, etc. Yeah. There's one piece written by this gentleman named Bruno Macaes. I think he's a former politician in Portugal. Yeah. So he laid out a bunch of steps which China is trying to take and utilizing this as a strategic opportunity to take over the world. Doesn't mean that it, it will. But that's basically what they're up to. As in, For example, they are trying to pull out a direct comparison between the situation in China and elsewhere. They're trying to show that, hey, we have recovered and our economy is back on track, etc. And the US, etc. are failing to do that, as we mentioned. Yeah. And secondly, it's about uh, trying to push into the economy, trying to portray that, hey, our economy is doing very well. And also trying to capture some industrial value chains everywhere else. Yeah. And finally, in a more extreme scenario, these countries, it could be a repeat of the Marshall Plan that if the world is in a bad situation, China can come in and rescue everyone and then potentially lead to a China-centric world order, which as we all probably know, it's not going to happen. China's finances are extremely weak right now, given the amount of debt they have. Mm -hmm. And they're facing a stagflation sort of a scenario, but this is one of the possibilities they're probably looking at. Yeah, so so that's one reason uh, why China is doing that because it sees an opportunity here when the rest of the world is is reeling um, with the spread of the uh, the disease, but also because everyone is really angry with China. So President Trump keeps calling this the China virus or the Wuhan virus to place the blame squarely on China. But also in countries like the UK, which uh, up until now were I would say relatively friendlier towards China. China and UK have talked about this uh, this golden age of their relationship. UK has been one country which was um, a bit um, dilly dally on Huawei, you know, uh, as compared to the other Five Eyes partners, the intelligence um, partnership that they have with Australia, New Zealand, the US, um, and Japan. I think. 
so now you're seeing, you're hearing from within the UK that uh, they are talking about how Boris Johnson's government officials are saying that they will have to go back to the diplomatic uh, drawing board to reimagine UK's relationship with China. Um, and they, they are saying that if from the UK's uh, point of view, China might even become a pariah state. Uh, and let's not forget, Boris Johnson um, up until recently was in the ICU, uh, himself suffering from the disease. And uh, even in India, you've seen lawsuits, uh, lawsuits filed against, uh, filed against China uh, by private individuals, in response to which the Chinese embassy, which has hired a new spokesperson um, for this purpose, has said that this is just eye-catching nonsense from these individuals, these advocates, who are harboring a wrong calculation and wishful thinking and are messing with the wrong enemy, of course, because you do not mess with China. This has obviously uh, impacted perceptions in about China and other countries. You are seeing these countries, which were up until recently quite reticent when it came to China, you know, other other than the U.S. Now take things uh, firmly in their hands. You, know, you see that from the the Australians, who face a massive problem when it comes to China's information war. Australia is one of these countries which has been impacted heavily in the past before the coronavirus crisis itself. So you saw um, the Daily Telegraph, which received a letter from a threatening letter from their local Chinese mission, saying that uh, they weren't happy with the coverage of the coronavirus, the Daily Telegraph's coverage of the coronavirus, because it hurt the feelings of the Chinese people. So the D Daily Telegraph uh, revealed that to their readers, and in fact wrote a very very funny piece point by point destroying everything that the letter contained. So I'd quote some, some of um, the content from that article here. So uh, the letter said that the effectiveness of China's epidemic prevention and control has fully underlined the people-centric philosophy of the Communist Party of China and the strong advantages of the Chinese system. You know, again, building on that superpower China that we just discussed. So the Daily Telegraph responds saying, yeah, of course, in 2018, Amnesty International reported that China executed more citizens than the rest of the world combined. So please tell us more about your people-centric philosophy and how many bullet, bullets it requires. <laughs> yeah. so basically you're saying that they're killing yeah, people-centered killing policies. Yeah. yeah indeed. Yeah. So um, you're seeing that in India as well with... Um, we discussed this already, that uh, this is quite unprecedented, that um, Indian social media is uh, is flooded with memes on the CCP, on Xi Jinping, and um, people are pretty angry with China. And this might, in fact, uh, start changing the way popular foreign policy is imagined and talked about in India. It currently has a strong uh, Pakistan flavor. So... Like I discussed already, that um, China has gone on an overdrive in India. They hired a new spokesperson, Xi Rong, for this purpose, who said that, well, you know, India should know its place. Uh, Chinese firms can, in fact, offer to build hospitals in India because India is not capable of doing that itself, of course. Of course. Yeah. So they are quite concerned about Indian perception. And um, you seeing that in their responses, be it through articles in in newspapers like the Hindu or the Hindustan Times, and also directly 
through the embassy. So how does China practice information warfare? We will be doing a full episode on this later on, but just to give a quick primer on this. So after the end of the Cold War, we started talking about this concept of soft power, where countries are able to get whatever they want out of other countries without coercing them for the same. They use, say, the power of, uh, for the US it would be Hollywood, or for India it would be yoga or Bollywood. Uh, For the US it would be this talk about freedom and democracy and how everything is great. Um, But when it comes to um, China, you can't exactly say that because China itself is an authoritarian state. So when an authoritarian state tries to influence the public in democracies, it practices what we call sharp power, where it undermines the freedoms that citizens of democracies have, um, freedom of speech, which is freedom of expression, which is available through various channels, be it media, be it think tanks, be it you know parliamentary democracy. So China and uh, I would say even Russia, they start undermining these systems um, to influence the way people in these countries think. So um, in Australia, for example, they started buying off Australian parliament uh, 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 parliament members, or um, they started collaborating with, say, think tanks and research organizations. In India, you're seeing how they're collaborating with uh, universities. You, of course, have the Confucius Institutes um, in lots of countries where uh, it's directly funded by the Chinese government and it does not allow um, certain kinds of events, say on Tibet, being organized on university campuses around the world. It, it stages protests in those countries. So now you're seeing with the coronavirus um, crisis, lots of social media influencers speaking the way the CCP would like these influencers to speak because they want their audiences to think a certain way. You're seeing that happen to journalists. Like I said, you're seeing Chinese government-sponsored articles in, in newspapers like the Hindu and the Hindustan Times, the Indian Express. Of course, Washington Post and um, the New York Times are quite notorious for that as well. So they do that directly, of course, to the WHO, but also through all these various channels which are available to them, especially in democracies. And that is called sharp power, which we will discuss in a later episode. Yes. And to our listeners, Josna wrote a wonderful piece, a pioneering piece on this topic. So look up her Twitter if you can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's all for today, folks. And more on China in, on, in our next episode. We don't know what the episode will be about, given how uncertain these times mm-hmm. are. But do send us your feedback and comments. We link our Twitter below in the description. Also, feel free to send us questions that you would like to see addressed. And if you like this podcast, do share the link and subscribe to our channel. So until next time, see you and thank you.